Well, good morning. I want to welcome all of you to Wheaton Bible Church, especially any of you that are visiting. My name is Rob Boo. I'm the senior pastor. And following this service, I'll be right over here down in front. And if you're visiting, I'd love to get a chance to say hello to you, to meet you. We are in a series on the very contemporary subject of faith. And the reason it's so very contemporary is because all of us, Christian or not, exercise faith. All of us live by faith. And the object of our faith determines the direction of our life, the focus of our desires, and what we organize our life around. And this is why we are in the New Testament book of Hebrews for this series and one chapter. And that is the single most important chapter on faith in the Bible, Hebrews chapter 11. Because in Hebrews chapter 11, we learn what Christianity has to say about faith, that is what it looks like, and then why there is nothing more healing, nothing more life-giving, nothing more transforming than faith. Now today, as we're making our way through Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to skip over the wonderful story of Abraham because we're going to come back to it this summer. And we come to the Old Testament patriarch named Jacob. Now Jacob was the grandson of Abraham. He was the son of Isaac, one of the patriarchs of Old Testament or early Israel. Now we're going to spend a lot of time in the book of Genesis. We're going to look at three different passages in the book of Genesis, but this our series is rooted in Hebrews. So I want you to stand with me as I read two verses from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 20 and 21. And so we read, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith, Jacob, and now here's the character we're going to look at today, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshiped as he leaned on the top of his staff. You may be seated. Now, I, I want you to notice a couple of things here. In these two verses, blessing is mentioned twice. Because to understand the story of Jacob, we have to understand how central this concept of blessing was. But in Jacob's day, this concept was very different than it is in our day today. Because when we talk about a blessing today, we basically are talking about a compliment. Man, I really believe in you. It's, uh, something that's very positive. But way back in the age of the patriarchs, this concept of blessing was much deeper, much more profound because it was an announcement. It was a promise a prophecy that the coming Messiah promised to Abraham would flow through the lineage of these men, throw through, flow through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
Now, the blessing was more than just the promise of the Messiah, but that was certainly the biggest piece of it. The blessing was also tailored specifically to each of these people. So Jacob, as we'll see in a little bit when we get to Genesis, was promised an abundance of grain, an abundance of uh, vineyards, of wine, and on and on. Now there's a second thing I want you to see here in verse 21, and this is a remarkable statement. And Jacob worshipped at the end of his life as he leaned on the top of his staff. Now the reason it's remarkable is because Jacob spent the bulk of his life running from God, not worshiping God, not really wanting anything to do with God, but doing everything he could to get blessing, this blessing from God. What I want you to understand is this patriarch Jacob was a bad guy. Now if you're into movies... Uh, think Thanos or Loki or further back the Joker, further back um, Darth Vader. Uh, Jacob was like these guys without the supernatural powers and without the universal reach. He wasn't bombing all over the, the universe. But Jacob, in a sense, was most like Loki. He, he was a deceiver. A manipulator. And the story of Jacob coming to faith so that, the, so that at the end of his life he becomes a worshiper of God is one of the greatest conversion stories in the Bible. It's right up there with the conversion of the Apostle Paul. So what I want you to do is follow me as we look at three aspects of this story. First of all, who Jacob was, then how he changed, and then I want to draw a couple applications about what this teaches us about how we can change even today. So let's look at two illustrations from the book of Genesis, two different passages on who Jacob was, what this guy was really like, how bad he really was. And I want to go back, first of all, to Genesis chapter 25. Genesis 25, and we're going to look here <coughs> at just a couple of verses, beginning in verse 24. And so we read this. When the time came for her, now her refers to, the, to Jacob's mother. Her name was Rebekah. We'll see more of that. When the time came for Rebekah to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first to come out was red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment. Now, I've had a lot of kids, but I haven't seen this. So they named him Esau. After this, his brother came out with his hand, now interestingly, with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So he was named Jacob. Now, this verse makes a couple of things clear for us, or it assumes a couple of things that we really need to understand. And that is, Jacob, the character in the story, wasn't the firstborn. His twin brother, Esau, was. Now, this is huge and very significant to our story, 
because in ancient Israel, family life revolved around what is called the law of the firstborn. And what that meant is that the firstborn male would receive the bulk of the family inheritance and he would rule over his family, including all his siblings and and their children. And in the case of the patriarchs, he became the one that the lineage of Jesus Christ was preserved through. Now here's what I want you to know. In ancient Israel, this law meant, the law of the firstborn, that the entire family revolved around the firstborn male. And interestingly, interestingly, the Bible shows us how messed up that was. How unhealthy these families are, and we're going to see this in spades with this family. Now, the second thing I want you to note here is that we are told that Jacob grabbed Esau's heel. And as a result of that, he's given this name, Jacob. Now, Jacob means deceiver. And grasping the heel of another, because the story was so famous in ancient Israel, became a Hebrew idiom for deception you know somebody comes up behind you 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 don't see them what they grab you around the ankle they grab you by your heel they knock you down and they attack you that's the concept here this is not good i mean how would you like to go through your life called deceiver hey deceiver how are you today what's the lie today and jacob was named deceiver And so what we learn here is that the Bible is telling us that deception, dishonesty, manipulation, control was so central to Jacob, it's revealed at his birth. It's why he was given the name he was given. And it's suggesting that one day, a day is coming when Jacob will take away the blessing of his brother, his twin brother, Jacob. So let's look at that story. So turn ahead two chapters, if you're following me in your Bible, to chapter 27. We're going to put the words on the screen. And here we're going to interact with a little more Old Testament text. But here we come to one of the famous Old Testament stories. Verse 1. When Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son, here I am. Isaac said, I am now an old man and don't know the day of my death. Verse 4. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me so that I may give you my blessing before I die. Now, Rebecca, and remember, Isaac and Rebekah, her husband and wife, were, was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. When Esau left uh, for the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, Look, 
I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food so that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock, bring me two choice young goats so that I can prepare some tasty food for your father. Then take it to your father to eat so that he may give you the blessing, not Esau, before he dies. Skip down to verse 15. Then Rebekah took the best clothes of Esau, her older son, which she had in the house, put them on her younger son, Jacob. She also covered his hands and the smooth part of his neck and the goatskins. Now, don't misunderstand. This is not a manipulative mother who's forcing a, a, a passive son to do this. They are in this together. They've been thinking about this for years. How can Jacob get Esau's blessing? They are, they are um, partners in crime here, if you will. Verse 19, Jacob said, so Jacob goes to his father, said to his father, Isaac, I am Esau, your firstborn. So Jacob is lying. Hey, dad, I'm my brother. Jacob's whole life is built on dishonesty. I have done as you told me. Please sit up and give me some of my games so that you may give me your blessing. Isaac asked his son, how did you find it so quickly, my son? The Lord your God gave me success. Then Isaac said to Jacob, come near so I can touch you to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. And Jacob deceived his father Isaac, and Isaac gave Jacob Esau's blessing. And what was that blessing? Well, we read in verse 28. May God give you the heaven's dew and the earth's richness and abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed, and those who bless you be blessed. Now here in verse 29, uh, the lineage of Jesus is anticipated. It's hinted at here. It, it's uh, uh, underneath this. And here we have a story of a scoundrel. Jacob was one of the most troubled, anxious, insecure men in the Bible. I want you to look at what Nancy Guthrie says about this. Jacob wanted the right things. His desire was for the blessing of being in the line of the promised one. He wanted to inherit everything that God had promised to his grandfather Abraham and his father Isaac. But there was no sign that he, now note this, there was no sign that he wanted God. There was no reaching out for God, but only grabbing for God's blessing. And that's Jacob here. Now let me just make a, this is really kind of a parenthetical comment, because of, but it's so important for family life today. Today, I want you to know this family was messed up big time. I mean, one of the most damaging things any of us as parents can do is play favorites with our kids. Yet we're told earlier that Isaac had a favorite, it was Esau, that Rebekah had a favorite, uh, and it was Jacob. That doesn't make for a good marriage, and it doesn't make for healthy children. 
Parents don't play favorites. But it's actually worse. Isaac knew that God had promised, had prophesied that the older Esau would serve the younger Jacob. That Jacob would one day receive the birthright and the blessing of the firstborn, that Jacob would be the man who's in charge. <coughs> now, because Isaac knew that, that means that Isaac spent his entire life resisting the word of God. That means that this Old Testament patriarch was godless. I know this is a blessing. I want nothing to do with it because I have my favorite. Furthermore, not only was Isaac terrifically messed up, but Rebekah. I mean, think about Rebecca. She knew the promise was for her favorite. And can you imagine the things she must have said to Isaac? Hey, Isaac, you got this all screwed up. I, I can't see them having a healthy marriage in any way. They had their two favorites. They had this uh, promise they debated about. And then Rebecca gets word that Esau has gone off the reservation. Uh, he started drinking big time, or he's doing drugs, or we don't know. But he is absolutely furious at what Jacob has done to him, so he vows to kill Jacob. Now, Rebecca, hearing this, sends the only person in the family that she loves, that is Jacob, 500 miles away to flee for his life and stay with her brother Laban. And Rebecca will never see her beloved Jacob again. And Jacob, fleeing for his life, will leave as the deceiver, that's his name, and he will leave penniless. You know, like so many families today, guys, Everyone in this family, every single person in this family sought the blessing of God without ever bending the knee to God. Without ever trusting in God, without ever resting in God. They, these were busy people. These are people that had a lot going on. But at the core of their family was hatred for one another. Because they could not get the God thing straight. Give me your blessings, God. Don't ask me to bend the knee to God. And this is the family that Jesus Christ will come from. I mean, go figure. Do you see the point? The Bible is telling us we are all Jacobs. You and I are Jacobs. Uh, we want the blessing. We want the blessing of the firstborn. We want blessing from God. We want uh, the people that are important to us to tell us how amazing we are, how amazing our potential is. We want a parent, a teacher, a coach, a boss, a, a, a co-worker, a, a friend uh, to tell us how smart we are, how talented we are, how uh, beautiful we are. And we don't just want that approval. We crave it. 
we're just like Jacob. We're no different. But actually, it's worse. Because we go about seeking that approval, that acceptance, in the same way Jacob did. And what do I mean by that? We dress up. And we pretend to be people we're not. And instead of relying on God, we rely on ourselves. And we've seen this in spades in our culture. I, I, I think this is just amazing because just, what was it, two weeks ago, this story, national story broke about how messed up our culture can be in our addiction to success. So what was the story? Well, the U.S. Justice Department uh, charged 50 wealthy people, including some Hollywood celebrities. You all heard this, right? I mean, raise your hand if you heard this story. Yeah? I mean, I mean it's just crazy. Uh, they charged these 50 people in a nationwide cheating scandal so they, these people could get their beloved children into some of the top universities in the country. So what did they do? Uh, some of these parents paid millions of dollars in bribes. They had other people sit in and take the ACT and the SAT for their kids. They even photoshopped their kids' faces on bodies of athletes. They lied through their application. They pretended their kids were somebody that their kids weren't. And the point of the Jacob story is this is all of us. You need to understand this because this is America today. This is the oxygen you breathe. It's all about image management. It's all about appearance. It's all about how we look. And we all know this is one of the downsides of Facebook and um, Instagram. Because what do we do? We post when we're dressed up. Now, why, why uh, do we do this? Because we all want approval. You want it, I want it. We all want to be seen as successful, as a, a, a above average or as excellent. So we engage in Jacob's ancient practice of image management. So we look for jobs that give us status. We seek out friends that give us status. Uh, travel or, or hobbies. And, and part of our pursuit is so that we might uh, look good. Now you students that are here, you want your parents' approval, but at the same time you want your parents to leave you alone. Man, I sure did. And the reason I did when I was in high school, I'm talking especially about high school right now, is because I was living a lie. I was lying to my single-parent mother all of the time. Where are you going to be this weekend, Rob? Well, it was a lie. 
How are you doing, Rebel? I'm doing fine. And the reality was I, I wasn't doing fine because I was inching closer and closer to becoming an alcoholic. But we hide because we want approval. And even with our closest friends, we do this. We tell them what makes us look good. A husband doesn't tell his wife the truth. A wife doesn't tell her husband the truth. And unintentionally and actually unaware of what they're doing, the gap between them gets greater and greater and greater. We do this with church. We dress up at church. We dress up in our life groups. These contexts, these small group opportunities where we can grow. We do it with people who um, we have accountability relationships with. We tell them what they want to hear. We don't tell them the depth of our temptations, uh, the depth of our anxiety, our, our, our fears. Uh, we pretend. We want the blessing of God, but we ignore God. And it's a game we play our entire lives. Man, I hope they approve me. I hope they accept me. I hope that they think I'm cool. And you know what? There's a, 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 there's a tragedy with Jacob in this. Because Jacob got what he wanted. He got his father Isaac's blessing. But it didn't satisfy him. Why didn't it satisfy him? Because as others point out, he knew it wasn't the real him. He knew that the only way he got this blessing was by being a pretender, a, 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 an imposter. And, and so I want to say to you, because I love you this morning, when you hide your failures, when you pretend to be people that you're not, all the compliments in the world will not fill the vacuum of a dishonest heart. And I'm emphasizing this and I'm belaboring this because this is our culture. And I want you to transcend it. I want you to step out of this. And so I want to say to you, please, 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 stop being Jacob. Stop pretending. Stop placing that much faith in yourself. Now let's go on. That's who Jacob was. Now let's uh, look at um, how Jacob changed. And I want you to turn with me to this famous passage in this story. It's in Genesis chapter 32, we'll put the words again up on the screen. And this is the story of Jacob's conversion. And we're going to read beginning in verse 24. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. 
Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go. And here it is again, unless you bless me. Unless you bless me. And the man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will be no longer Jacob, but Israel. Because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw, now notice this, I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. Now twice in this passage we are told that this wasn't a man, this was God. Jacob says that, and then God says that about himself. And what most commentators, most scholars believe is this was an Old Testament appearance of Jesus Christ before his incarnation. So Jacob is wrestling with Jesus. This is Jesus. And as we see over and over in the Jacob story, pursuing this blessing, getting this blessing uh, from God, of God, was central to everything he was. So in verse 26, Jacob says, I will not uh, let you go until you bless me. Now, that's a wonderful statement on the part of Jacob, the first good thing he has said. Because Jacob has come to the point in his life where blessing from God, being right with God, uh, knowing God is more important than anything else in life. And with this, Jacob is laying down his deceit his manipulation, his evil. Jacob now wants God, not just the blessing of God. And so in, in this incredible act of humility, and there's humility all over Genesis chapter 32, uh, uh, Jacob humbles himself and he submits to Jesus Christ. And that's why two verses later in verse 28, Jesus says to Jacob, Jacob, you've overcome, or depending on your translation, you prevailed. Now, what in the world does that mean? Well, he's not talking about physical strength. I mean, he's wrestling with Jesus. He's rather talking about the change in his heart. He's not talking about physical strength or Jacob dressing up, but Jacob surrendering. But Jacob transferring his trust from himself to Jesus and clinging to Jesus and his power and his presence. And we're told Jacob, as a result, has a limp. And this is the point of the limp. It illustrates Jacob's new conscious vulnerability, the awareness of his brokenness. So no longer, get this, no longer will Jacob dress up. He has come to terms with who he is in relationship with God. Now, have any of you seen the new Avenger movie, Captain Marvel? Yeah, Rhonda and I saw it last week, and I really loved the movie. 
And I think we have a picture in the movie of sorts of what's going on here. Because Captain Marvel, for the first half of the movie or so, and I'm not going to give anything away because it's really a good movie, Captain Marvel, who will be the greatest of all the Avengers, in the first half of the movie is tortured by not knowing her identity, by not knowing who she is, where she came from. And then later in the movie, the light goes on. Captain Marvel realizes who she is. Her identity becomes clear, and all her supernatural, otherworldly powers return. Jacob, like Captain Marvel, has spent his life searching for his identity. Identity and blessing are almost synonymous in this story. And unlike Captain Marvel, he doesn't find it horizontally, he finds it vertically in Jesus Christ. Will you bless me? You have overcome, Jacob. And how do we know this? Because in verse 30, Jacob says, I saw God face to face. Talk about a a transformation. In 2 Corinthians 4, 6, Paul says, For God who said, let light shine in the darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the glory of God, to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. The face of God, the face of Christ are metaphors for the presence of Christ, for the experience of Christ's love and his power and his presence his beauty and his majesty in your heart. So you see his majesty and you see his meekness. And what happens here in Genesis 32 is Jacob is converted. He's a changed man. And so let me conclude with this, with this question. How can you and I change? What does this tell us? And here, this isn't unique with me. I'm cobbling together some things I've picked up from others, but I want to suggest two ways. First of all, the way we change, uh, the way for God to have our heart requires sometimes a dislocation of the very thing we think makes us strong. For Jacob, it was physical strength. So maybe something starts to flutter in your job and you can't quite figure it out or with your family or with friends or maybe it's a dream and the dream is going away or maybe there's a loss and maybe there's a disappointment and you're feeling dislocated. Your feet are firmly planted in midair and that's a horrible way to live. And what God is doing is using that to grow you, to stretch you, to test you. So what do we do? Well, like Jacob, we acknowledge the limp. We don't try to hide it. And we lean into Jesus. We cling to Jesus. Second, to change, you and I need to see another face. The face of Jesus. 
The Bible tells us that Jesus is the firstborn from the dead. Jesus is the oldest son. Jesus is the only begotten son of the Father, which means that throughout eternity, Jesus has lived in the state of firstborn blessing. Total, wonderful, complete acceptance as the object of the Father's affection. But Jesus Christ laid it all aside, became a man, suffered, was rejected, and died. And the question is why? Well, look at what Paul says in Galatians chapter 3, beginning in verse 13. Well, why did Jesus do this? Why did Jesus lay aside the blessing of the firstborn? Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole, the cross. Verse 14, he redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come, the, did you see this? The blessing of the coming of Messiah might come to the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. What Paul is telling us is that Jesus Christ received the curse you deserve. So the moment you believe, you might receive the blessing Jesus deserves. When you believe in Christ, not only are you forgiven, but you're dressed up in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You are adopted into his family. You are one with Christ. You have this uh, undeniable, eternal, infinite union with Jesus Christ. Christ is in you, and, and you are in Christ. So you never have to dress yourself up anymore by your own efforts. You have nothing to prove. You're totally accepted. And when this becomes real in your heart, when it grips your heart, you'll be free. You'll be content. You won't lie, you won't deceive, you won't manipulate. Because you know who you are in Jesus Christ and your identity is vertical, it's not horizontal. Because Jesus dressed up like you so you could dress up like him. You see, the point of the Jacob story is that living by faith means we live in the presence of Jesus Christ, seeing him face to face, having encounters with his divine love, seeing him in the people around us and the world around us in his word, so that the, at the end of our life, now I'm back to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 21, you will worship like Jacob. And at the end of your life, you won't have regrets. You won't have guilt. Because you have lived in the presence of Jesus. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the grace you give us. Thank you for Jesus. Who he is. How he supernaturally intervenes in our lives. We praise you. We are amazed at this intervening grace 
that Jesus became a man and loved us and blessed us and has drawn us to himself 